Amen. Well, we are so glad that you're here today, and I do want to welcome our online crowd as well. Thank you so much for joining us online, and uh, we're just so thankful to celebrate our Lord and Savior. I hope that this week you've enjoyed your journey and kind of maybe explored more the question of who you are, and uh, I hope today, because many of you are going to say, well, I don't really fear much. I hope today by the end of this time, you're going to understand kind of the reality of what fear really is and how it can grip us. And so we're going to have some fun today and uh, go through some things. But I want to ask you a couple of questions. And, and first is, will you be willing, whether here or at home, to give Jesus unrestricted access over your fears? Now, maybe right now you don't have one that you're identifying, but maybe as we go along, God will speak to your heart and say, hey, this is, this is an area, this is a place where you've allowed fear to grip you. Would you say right now, yes to Jesus, yes, I give you unrestricted access over, over my fears. Because see, some of us here today, we're, we're living in fear and we don't even realize or recognize that it is fear. And so um, a couple of questions. Have you ever been so afraid that on that journey of fear, you created that fear? Have you ever been so afraid of something that before you know it, you're so captivated it by it in your mind that you begin to create that very thing? I know that some of us, we can get so deep in our minds that before we know it, what we fear, we have made it come to be. Have you ever been so filled with fear that it's crippled you? I had a situation years and years ago in my ministry, a person that was kind of on what we call the membership roles, hadn't been to church and went to her house and come to find out something had happened to her and so she was afraid to go out. Never went out. It so crippled her, the thought of maybe that happening again, that she stayed home. I was a young minister at the time, not really sure what to do. I'm like, I actually like to get out of the house. Like, this is hard, but I had to put myself in her place and where she had been. Church, fear can be crippling. Have you ever been so afraid that you lost sight of your future, your value, your blessing, your abilities? Have you ever been so fearful that it stripped you of your personality? Have you ever seen people where like you look at them and it's like, gosh, they just look like a shell of who they used to. I know that many of us, if not us, have been in a place where we've seen people where they just seem to be a shell of who God has created them to be. And it's because fear is gripping them. Have you ever been so afraid that you actually just feel like you're not even living? Church, fear has the ability to stop the movement of God. All right, you want to have some fun? Yeah. All right, good. If you're home, I want you to have fun too. There ain't nothing else to do. Did you know that? It's like zero out. So if you have plans on going outside, probably not the best thing. So here you are, right? I want to just tell you a couple of stories to kind of drive home where we're at today. Uh, my children often will come running down the stairs and there's like a gaggle of them. So like when they come, like they just come from every direction screaming. Like you would think oftentimes that like life has ended from wherever they were and they come screaming and they're like, dad, you gotta come take care of this bug. Now I have learned at my age to say, now, now sweeties, what size is the bug? And most of the time when they describe it, it's the size of my head. It has 10 legs, they're all hairy, and the eyes are staring at them, right? And that's what I get. So then I think, well, I better go deal with it. So I walk upstairs, they always have a pointer. You know what a pointer is? It's the one kid, since we have so many, one kid stays back in fear, right? Screaming, you can hear it in the distance, but they're there to point at its movement. So when I get up there, because oftentimes I kind of just ignore them, like it's just a bug. You know, we're in a farmhouse, like the thing's full of them, right? If you go down in our, in our basement, which is called a cellar, it's just dirt, and you turn the light on, no exaggeration, you turn the light on, and I always watch because I just want to see, and it's like this, whew. Well, I don't know what it all is, but it's something, right? So it's living in our house, and I won't tell them that. Don't listen. But So I get up there, right? And they're pointing to the ceiling. 
Now I can't see it from where, we have low ceilings, can't see it, so I get a chair, and I'm like, so girls, the thing that has you bawling, right, is that, and it, it's this big, you know, every time, it's this big, and it's tiny, and I can't even see it, so I take my thumb, and I like crush it, and then like, we gotta see it, so I show them that it's gone. Now, now let me tell you why I say this, right? If I don't deal with it, if I don't go up there, if I say, girls, it's just a bug or a, we call a certain kind of bug that's in our house is probably eating our walls. But anyway, we call it George and it's a George and I'm like, just, it's a stink bug. We just let it go, right? It's not a big deal. They're not going to bite you. There is no going past it. If I don't go up there, I promise you, this is no exaggeration, that night, one of my children is going to wake up screaming with a nightmare that the bug bit them. And then they convince themselves that it did. So they come down and I'm like, it, it didn't bite you, but hey, but it becomes real, right? If I don't deal with it, it deals with them. And I, I'm being like totally honest. If I don't go deal with it, every time I decide not to, that night something comes up, right? And they can't let it go. Church, what we're going to talk about today in the scriptures is just that. When we allow the fear of something to get in the way of what's next, it is crippling. So I don't really get afraid of much, just being real honest. In the army, in, in basic training, they kind of just like scare you to death. And then eventually it, it's not really scary anymore. And then eventually it just becomes like secondary stuff. I mean, it's like, it's not a big deal. So it's hard to really scare me. So like the last 14 years, I think I've been scared twice and it's like legitimate stuff. Um, but anyway, one time I was scared in the last 14 years. And... Uh, I come from outside Philly, okay? And so if you see a tarantula, they're in the zoo, okay? And actually at the Philly Zoo, there's like an exhibit that you walk in and it's like heated and the tarantulas are in there. And I just, as a kid, never went in there because why would you go see what's in Australia? It's huge. It's like, who knew they were in Texas? But anyway, um, one time in, in Texas, uh, my wife was eight months pregnant. We were only married for nine months. And so um, she comes to the door and she screams. You know, as a good husband, you were running to the door, you open the door and there sits, and this is no exaggeration, a tarantula the size of my head on our screen door and so I just shut the door you know what I mean she's out there I'm in here you keep it out of the house right I mean so she's standing there like screaming pregnant she felt sick she wanted to go lay down coming home from work and I said sweetie listen in Philly you either sell your house okay or you get out your Uzi that's illegal and you take care of it you know what I'm saying like that was your grandfather's from when they were in the mafia and then you move on I said I don't know what to do with this and so you know, your brother-in-law and sister live next door. Go ask them. They have them in their room in cages. And so I should, who knew? You know, they come out of holes out of the ground this big. And they're this big and they pop out in our backyard. Anyway, um, so I shut the door. Now, if you've ever shut the door on your eight-month pregnant wife, right, and who is sick and in the, it was 108 that day outside because it's always that in Texas, Imagine what that night and the rest of the week is. Just imagine, okay? Men don't do it. And so I just said, your brother-in-law's next door. They got him in the house. I'm sure they know what to do with it. And I swung the door shut as quick as I could because I ain't letting that thing in the house because I won't sleep, okay? So anyway, run over. Uh, Brad comes home a while later. She's sitting on the porch in the heat and he comes and gets a glass jar. Literally, this is how easy it was. Who knew, right? Popped it over it because it didn't really move. Slipped the cardboard, flipped it up, went and put it in the cage with the rest. And my wife came in and said, don't talk to me. And so I didn't talk to her. <laughs> Think about this though. Oftentimes, there's a door that God wants us to go through. There's a move that God wants us to make. There's a step that he's saying, but there's something that we're afraid of between that move and that. And so in our minds, what do we do? Out of fear, we stop. Out of fear, we don't go through the door. Out of fear, we say, no, no, not today. And church, as we go today, you're gonna realize that many of you coming in here today are gonna say, I wish I didn't come because I thought I wasn't living in fear, but I am. This is where Paul found Timothy. I don't know if you're familiar, but... Um, Paul was kind of Timothy's spiritual father, a great influence in his life. In fact, when they were together, he was able to see Timothy as a young man really do these great things for God. And Paul just kind of encouraged that. I don't know if you've ever had an encourager, someone who just encourages you to just kind of step out in faith. And, I, and I've understood this passage so differently as I've studied it and looked at the Wesleyan uh, 
kind of idea of what this is all about. But the bottom line is, is that Paul in prison found Timothy living in a state of timidness, depending on your translation, but also in a state of fear. Now, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. But as we do that, I want to read this statement to you. And if you want to stand for the reading of God's word, as a Christian, the following is true. Listen to this. Where fear begins to take root is where we stop fanning the flame of Christ's movement in our life. When fear takes root, God stops working. Do you know why? Because when you're living in fear, God has to go deal with the fear before he can move you through the door. See, for my children, until I dealt with that, that wasn't out of their mind. Until God deals with it, it's not out of your mind. It will consume you and you won't be able to go through the next door. Church, Paul found Timothy, a man who was like on fire, a man that was young and was going for it. Because here's the thing, Paul wouldn't have written it in the way that he wrote it if Timothy was just diving in. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, as I remember your tears, Think about this, he's, he's literally, imagine if somebody wrote you this letter. It'd be so beautiful. I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt, now he's taking it back, he, he's really going there. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. But, but for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on. Remember, I laid my hands on you. Remember, I blessed you. Remember, I anointed you. Remember, I told you, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to worry about what others say. You don't have to worry that you're young and God's using you. I laid my hands on you and I anointed you. Church, God has laid his hands on you and anointed you for a holy calling. But something happened. Timothy was different. Paul got word in prison that something was happening to Timothy. And he said, remember, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power. Come on, Timothy. He, he, didn't, he didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed. Now, mind you, come on now. Let's just be real. If I got locked up tomorrow for the faith and somebody looked at you or your workplace and said, don't you go to church where that pastor just got, did you know that happens, right? There's pastors in prison all over. And, and, and you associate with that? Oh, no, 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 not now. Come on now. Timothy's a real dude. Somebody comes up to him and says, hey, aren't you like a follower of the same Jesus of that Paul that's in prison? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that Paul got word that something was changing, shifting, or you know what? He wouldn't have had to say this. So he says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But you know what? Share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. God today, come into this place God, some of us are living in fear and we don't even know it. Some of us are, are living in a fear of like association and we don't want to be associated so, so we don't lose in the present. But God, we're losing in the spiritual. We're losing in the bigger picture. We're losing in the kingdom world because we fear what's around us. And so in the name of Jesus today, come in power today, not only here, but in the homes. God, keep them engaged today. The weather's kept them home, but God, we pray right now that you would just engage them in a mighty way. Let them sense and feel like they're here because they are loved. And so we ask this and we ask this every week. Keep the enemy from us in the name of Jesus and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. I wanna take us on a journey of understanding fear and its ability to cripple us. The first part of unleashing Jesus over our fears relates directly to what's not said here in the scripture. Here's the thing, something prompted Paul 
to begin to speak life into Timothy. Have you ever had like a friend, I hope you have, or a loved one, or, or a pastor, or somebody that like really cares for you, all of a sudden they, they reach out to you, randomly, right? They text you, or they call you, or, or they send you a card, and, and they just speak some life into you. And, and after that moment's done, you're like, I wonder like, did they know that I was? Have you ever done that? Like in your mind, like, did they know that like in this moment I was struggling? Did they know? If they're spiritual, you know what I would say? They know God. God knows you. So God said, let me speak to this person so that I can speak to this person. That, that was what Paul was doing for Timothy. Paul saw loss. Church living in fear only brings loss. When you live in fear, you live in the present. Paul's statement here, you say, well, how do you get that? Well, if you're around the campfire, right, and the fire is really going, can you imagine, wouldn't that be nice right now, just have a little campfire? We could put one up there. But anyway, like a nice little campfire in this like zero degree weather and just like warming yourself around it. I mean, if it's raging, do you need to fan it? But, but if it's, it starts to fade away, what do you have to do? You have to fan it back into, you have to go get another piece of wood. You have to begin to, something was being lost in the life of Timothy that I'm pretty sure Timothy wasn't even quite aware of. But boy, was his spiritual father in prison aware of. Something happened. The effects of fear were gripping him. Are some of you here today just a shell of who you used to be spiritually? Are some of you here today just gripping, just gripping onto the little bit of faith that you have left? See, the spiritual father here recognized it. You ever talk to children um, that just have a tremendous amount of faith? And they just see God like so big and so great and oftentimes our kids, they like to act out all the Bible stories and like I always sit and I'm just being honest and when I'm done watching it because you know somebody's healed or this happens or that happens and they all cheer and and it's like I look at that and say well I wonder if I believe that could happen today I wonder if one day they're not gonna they're not gonna be so convinced that God can I wonder when they go from having God eyes to like human eyes if that'll change you know that's happened, right? For most of us in here, at some point, that childlike faith has, that childlike excitement, that childlike, like, God can do anything gets robbed from us. And then all of a sudden, we, we start seeing with, like, you know, practical eyes, knowledgeable eyes, religious eyes, worldly eyes. And then, then our God sight disappears, and then all of a sudden, we fear seeing like God, because then what are... What are the people going to say that I'm friends with Paul in prison? I mean, you know, they're right here. And so all of a sudden, the naysayers in Timothy's life, they become the loudest voice. You ever fear God's design for you? I'm just going to be honest, and, and we're in a church, so I just got to be real. The enemy's going after original design. The enemy's trying to say, hey, you know, why don't you decide how, how you should be created? Instead of, like, living in the way, like, God creator thought about you and, and intimately wove into you and, and, and just really, even before you were born, began to... See, the enemy wants to mess with that because the enemy knows when we really fully embrace what, what God designed for us and how he designed us, that's where like wholeness and boldness and excitement and life comes. See, sometimes we just fear and, well, I mean, I know God's got this and it's better and it's big and the promises that are spoken of today are so true and we see it throughout scripture. We see it in Eunice. We see it in my grandmother, in my... But is that really for me? Paul says this. He says, you know... Fear is a spirit, and this kind of fear is not a spirit of God. See, there's a healthy fear of God, right? 
But this isn't it. Did you know when we don't have a healthy fear of God, we, we actually head into the danger zone? Can you say danger zone? Isn't that fun? I just like to say danger zone, okay, right? Well, in the army, um, one of the things I was assigned to, 41st Fires Brigade, and it was a missile brigade that was also assigned to South Korea. And so we would always go out in Fort Hood on these trainings and launch missiles. I didn't, I was like a chaplain assistant. But we had this terrible duty, which is still terrible, that in the middle of like 110 degree weather, we would have to go clear the zone. So we would drive around, we would walk, we would make sure that there were no cattle, okay? Because we rented cattle, what are they called? Farms or fields or ranches, whatever. And that's where we would launch the missiles. But we had to make sure the day before missile launch that we went out and cleared all the cattle and notified the farmers of the location where the cattle was. Really exciting, isn't it? That's what they do in the army. A lot of what they do in the army is not exciting, okay? It's just grunt work. Anyway, um, one time while I was there, they launched a missile and guess what they hit? A cattle. And guess who they blamed? What is it? Longhorn, I'm sorry, not cattle. It ain't like cattle like sitting out in our fields. It's like longhorns with a big... Um, anyway, they found that. They blew it up. And guess what the army had to do? Pay 10 generations. They'd signed agreement that they would pay for five previous, five after, because of how hard it was to grow these particular longhorns. Now, they went back and blamed the, you know, blamed the grunts who went on a look, but come to find out it was like overnight and they came in and on and on, but they came into the danger zone. And then all of a sudden that danger zone, because they didn't know to fear, affected them. They died. But you're saying, well, wait a minute. Let, let, me, let me do this because I bet you this will bother you a little bit. Have you ever like been in an argument with someone you love? Y'all, are you awake? You know you got nothing to do, right? It's zero out. Just want me to open the garage. They'll be reminded, right? Um, that'll come right. It'll change everything, okay? That song, it'll change everything. Because um, when we open that, it rushes in. Uh, I've been in arguments before. There's always a moment in an argument with someone you like really love. It was 14 years ago with my wife pregnant, driving in our little Sonata that I had traded in my big truck for to be financially responsible. We were in an argument, and I knew something about her from the past, really hurtful thing, and, and we were in this argument, and it popped in my head. I think I'm going to bring that up. You know what you should do, right? Don't bring it up. I did, though, but I knew. There was like this check in my mind, and here's what I want you to get. When that check in my mind came, and I decided in my heart that I'm going to speak it out loud, I stepped into a danger zone that I was willing to risk relationship with her. Because I knew if I said it, it would be so hurtful that I'm not sure how we come back from it. And so I said it. She said, weepingly, pull over the car. She's pregnant. In the middle of nowhere, Texas, I pulled over the car. She got out and she walked home. Now, mind you, it was months now we got over it, but it was months before the healing really happened. See, church, what we do is when we live in fear, we step into the danger zone with God, and we say what's before us is greater than what's sustaining us, caring for us, actually giving us the breath that's in our lungs, the life that we have. But we, we risk it because you know what? Paul, you're not right here. And so I'm not really sure. I know I had that. And I know I have to flame it, but boy, it's right in front of me, so I'm not sure I'm willing to risk all that. And so we step into the danger zone. See, fear that removes us from the spiritual wholeness of God sets us in a place of danger when it comes to the core of how we were created. Not only how we were created, but how we were created to live and love you say, well, that, that didn't, I mean, I never argue with anybody, and so that doesn't, yeah, let, let me say this. So, um, want some worldly examples? You ready for it? Just say yes. Okay, I'm giving to you anyway, so let's go for it. Um, let, let's just say somebody's gossiping about the church, right, outside of the church. That's always good, right? Because non-Christians love when Christians gossip about the church because then they say what? Oh, they are hypocrites. I'm right. Yay. And then they just further distance themselves from the church. I say if you're going to gossip, right, just go home and do it in your home when your kids are asleep. Just do that, okay? That's probably the, it's not good anyway, but best scenario. And, and then one day, God comes in and says, I'm working on somebody at this place in town, and I think you need to tell so-and-so to stop. 
because it's affecting my movement in them. And you say, well, God, if I do that, guess what? They won't talk to me anymore. And so out of fear of this, we don't address it. And so we actually step into the danger zone with this. You want me to go further? Because it get harder. Okay. You know, I know that this is something, but we fear loneliness. I just want you to, I just want you to hear me, okay? Whether you like it or not. There are people that I deal with that didn't know they feared loneliness until the person that they loved for 57 years is gone. And then they're like, oh my goodness, I do fear being alone. You know God knows that, right? You know what the core of the issue is here? Timothy was afraid. Remember, grandmother, mother, what happens? They normally do what? They pass away usually. Unfortunately, it's not always the case, right? But they're probably going to pass on. His friend is in prison, probably going to die. He's what? He's alone. We, we do things like this. Well, you know, if I stop having sex with him, then he's not going to love me, then I'm going to be alone. You know, if I get rid of this addiction, then those friends that like really love me, they're, they're not going to be around because I won't be doing what they're doing. And so then who do I go to? Because remember, they heard in the community that the church is what? A bunch of, you know, hypocrites. And so then they don't know to go to, I don't mean this church, it's just in general. You know, I mean, if, if I tell them I don't want to hear that stuff, I mean, they might not like me. And so then, well, you know, it's my dad. And my dad says to go this way in the world. And my mom says to go this way in the world. And my mom says, drive after Jesus. My dad says, so I'm going I'm to hurt one or the other. Which brings me more fulfillment? Or you have to leave like a, a habit or a, or a past group or a, and you have to rationalize in your mind, am I afraid of this loss or am I afraid of this loss? Church, if you're afraid of this loss over this loss, then you're past the point that Timothy was at. And if Paul's speaking this strongly to Timothy, then I wonder how strong he would speak to you today. Church, I'm telling you where I've lived and where I've had to say, do I fear the separation to this enough to let go of the one who knit me, the one who knows me, the one who like actually really loves me? who actually wouldn't like base his love off of me being addicted or not, or me being. Which is the greater loss? When you translate this passage, there's this word, we don't actually use it anymore. It's A-R-D-E-R, Adair. You say, no, it's a door. No, it doesn't translate a door. It's not A-D-O-R-E. And it's this crazy word. We don't use it anymore, but they used it in the early church. And it's this. A dare is this restless or transitory warmth. Doesn't that feel nice on a cold day? Like warmth, you know what I mean? They feel a little warm. Um, this restless or transitory warmth of feeling that is part of us in our youth that relates to an extreme vigor and energy that is intense and identifies us as a true believer. Isn't it cool that they created a word in the early church that described what it's like to accept Christ in those early days? And that description is like a vigor and a youth and an excitement and a passion that comes when we're a new believer? What's crazy to me? When I studied this, I thought, gosh, they came up with that word. You know why? Because they had to find a word to tell people to go back to that. Actually, when I, when I studied it, I was like, oh gosh, that isn't that exciting. They actually created that word to remind people to go back to that. Now they've given it up. It's not a word we use in English. It's not a word that really is used that much. But man, for years and years, Paul was saying, oh gosh, go back to your adir. Go back to your, wait a minute, you're losing it. Go back to your, he used to write letters all about it. Hey, you're, you're, hey you need to come back to, and, and what, what, what Paul said is that fear is what was keeping people from the adir. 
You know what's so cool about that word? That it starts translated as a warmth. And I'm sorry, if you've ever been loved and you just, you have that moment where like that person just loves you and it creates a feeling in you, that's what he's talking about. When our fear outside of our fear of separation from God grips us, then we are most likely to step into the danger zone, just like Timothy was beginning to do. So what? What does all this matter, Pastor? Well, can I throw you for a loop? Okay, you ever crave anything? Y'all, gosh, you never crave anything? If I started listing some things out, you, you, okay, I crave Philly pretzels, okay? I come from that area, and like you used to be able to drive your car and pull over on the side of the road and actually hand a dollar out, and they would give you a bag of Philly soft pretzels. Who knew if it was sanitary or not? Those little stands, they still do it. You can go there and get you a bag. Now they're $20 for two, but back then it was like 20 for one and you get this big old bag of soft pretzels and they were fascinating and even recently I went online because I was just craving I was like Lord they're not here like I can't pull up here and get them anyway so I went online and to a place we used to go to and uh, it was like 10 bucks for 20 I was like yes score then I put it in my cart it was 59.99 for shipping I said never mind I looked for a shipping code no such thing because in order for them to be shipped to you the way they're supposed to it had to be there in 12 hours well they're 60 bucks so I didn't get them anyway um cravings you're gonna you're gonna not like this right you ever crave alcohol relationships you ever crave belonging you ever crave sex you ever crave porn you ever crave authority you ever crave leadership you know the best leaders are ones that don't seek it they're just the ones that step into it because God's called them into it you ever crave a say? You ever crave acceptance? Come on, church. You ever crave a place? You ever crave a person, an item, a gift, evil? Some people crave just being negative. It makes them feel good. You ever crave being the devil's advocate? You ever crave being the one that isolates I'm going to throw you some statements. Often our fears are rooted in our cravings. Often our fears are rooted in our cravings. We fear not having something that we crave, so then we overcompensate for it to ensure that we don't lose it. Chew on that one for a second. We crave acceptance. So when it comes down to it and we realize that our friend, maybe we should like be the spiritual mentor and not the one listening to, and we say, it's time to, we're like, well, wait a minute. If I do that, they won't like me, then I'm... Because we crave acceptance. And so we diss him and we go with that. And then that doesn't lead to wholeness. And so we got to go find another that. And then another that person and another to get that acceptance when God is opening his arms and saying, if you'll let go of your fear of acceptance, I've created you to accept me and then me to give you everything you need. So we crave relationship, we fear not having it, and so out of that fear, we just keep on keeping on with mediocrity. Many of you, you fear losing financial security, so you don't give. Let's just be honest, because you like stuff, because stuff brings you, it brings you a feeling, makes you feel good. You shop a lot, you hoard stuff, you save your money. You're not faithful to God, but you're faithful to, because boy does it, and you fear if you don't have growing up conversations, because I never had the shoes or the this or the that, and and I could see that same craving in my dad. And you know what? It passed right on down. If I don't have this, then I am not going to be, nobody's going to like me. It's going to be just like school where they looked at my shoes and, but then God sent a lady that said, uh-uh, our financial security is not in stuff. It's in him. And so give up the truck, give up the stuff, and God will move, and he has. 
Timothy feared. He feared the perception of other people. And what's crazy, did you know gossip existed then too? It's actually in scripture, like right out, right? Somehow, good gossip got to Paul in prison. And Paul found out Timothy was like slipping away. Church, many of you are slipping away. Who God has shown you that you are, it is just... Because what happens is the the further you're in this, the further you're looking here and here and here, the more it, it actually, the more it fills you, the less it actually fills you. So the more you need it, so the further you fall back. When God is saying, if you'll just, if you'll just swim straight through that mess and stop being afraid, I will come in and embrace you, Timothy. So, in the Wesleyan, this is crazy, commentary, it says God did not give us a spirit that craves outside of God. Think about that. God did not give us a spirit that craves outside of God. We were created to be a people that crave. So cravings are okay. Is that good? Philly pretzel's all good. Under the cross, under the spirit, under what, if it falls under the presence and move of God, then it's all right because you know what? God wants us to crave him because he craves us back. He actually craves relationship with you. Paul knew, based on grandparents and the history and then this and then that, that God craved for Timothy to rise up and be the young leader that Paul had already seen. And God craves today for you to rise up and let go of your fears and be the person that God has called you to be, which is not your fears. What did we just sing? Fear is not your what? Future. We got people in this church that are worried about this, that, and the other thing that are coming in 2024. They're worried about, I mean, great, I, I, I'm concerned about some things too. It's election year, it's all that. But come on, church, is your faith in that? No. Your faith is bigger. You know what God's done over the years? Sustain Christians. And not only sustain them, but in the greatest movements of persecution in the New Testament, you know what happened? They convicted him here and a missionary movement happened over there. And it didn't even stop the move that was there. God won't stop growing you, refining you, rising you up if you just won't live in fear. God did not give us a spirit that craves outside of God. Cravings often come in the lack of something. And if we'll stop when the craving comes, and say, okay, God, let me line it up with scripture. I bet you, and I don't bet, that God can turn that craving around and satisfy it. Remember in the beginning, I shut the door on my wife because of tarantula. You all remember that? You should remember that. I mean, it's pretty obvious, like tarantula. Thankfully, they're not here because I don't know. I might have to like do something. But um, the crazy thing about that is that it kept a wall The fear of however I was going to deal with that kept a wall between me and my wife, which kept a wall between a peaceful night, which which kept a wall between like the next couple of days. Fear causes us to not walk through the doors that God has called us to walk through. I dealt with a tremendous person of God in this church recently. They got a diagnosis and the doctor said, this is, you'll believe this, um, well, I'll see you on March 16th or something. What? That's serious? What do you mean March 16th? I looked at her and I said, you better call that doctor back and say, if they have a cancellation, you want that. And she said, oh, I already did. Think about this. You could live in fear of March 16th. Did you know what? March 16th coming no matter what. She looked at me and she said, I got the sickness no matter what. She said, there ain't nothing I can do about it except trust God. So am I going to live in fear of what's going to happen from now to March 16th? Or am I going to live in the firmness of the God that I serve? And I said, well, you're teaching me. I said, we're going to then stand in the, I was mad and furious. And why do you got to wait that long? And why? But yet when you have a faith 
And it comes, the situation comes, the scenario comes, the health comes, the, the loss of relationship comes. The, and you're firm with Christ. You just say, you know what? Come on, March 16th. My God's big. My God's greater. And so you know what? Instead of letting that tiny little fear engulf your entire life, you push past that fear, step through that door, and guess what's on the other side? and embrace from your Savior who says, okay, let's take this journey together. What craving do you need to let go so you can take hold of Christ? Because you know what many of you fear letting those go. Lily, I'm gonna ask if you and the team can come up. Church, I want you to think about this. There's stairs all across here. And many of you, even if you're home, make an altar at home. Many of you are living in fear. And that tarantula is sitting in front of you. And it's so big and so great. You know what's funny? When you get God eyes and you start getting closer and closer and closer, you start to realize it's like this big. When my kids feel like they can't get past the bug and I get up there and I'm like, listen, when it's all said and done, you, look, it was on my thumb. I do that with them because I, I want them to get a little braver. I'm just being honest. And I'm like, girls, it's just, it's on my thumb. So you know what? Next time I'm going to come up and we're going to do this together. Church, because the fear that's keeping you from God is actually smaller. And when you get right up on it, it isn't that big. When you stand up to that friend who's drawing you down year after year and you say, you know what? I love you, but I got I to gotta fear separation from God. and I got to separate right now. When you're ready to come with me, you come with me and I'm going to empower you. But right now I got to say no. And so you face that fear and say, no. It's actually smaller than you are thinking in your head. So Paul came in and said, Timothy, Timothy, it's this big. But I hear in your head it's this big. So what if they don't like you? So what if they, they ostracize you? Let them ostracize you, then walk through the next door and God will let you. So church, what do you have to say so what to in order to say, yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. Let me remind you of the scripture. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Come on, church. That last one, you know what fear does? It keeps your mind from being sound. It keeps your mind thinking that that friend's the only thing that's ever going to get me through. That alcohol is the only thing that's ever going to get me through. That sex is the only thing that's going to get me through. That porn is the only thing that's ever going to get me through. That relationship is the only thing that's ever, that authority, that leadership, that title is the only thing that's ever going to get me through. So I better just keep on. And yet every time you don't realize it, you're just getting smacked in the face. Let it go. Don't be afraid of it. Because you know what the enemy says, you're going to lose so much. And God is on the other side of the door saying, you're going to gain so much. It's just the door is between you and the fear is between you. So it's hard to hear that. Not today in church because the enemy has no rights here. And so today in church, today in your home, the enemy has no rights. So you know what you can say? You know what, fear? You're not my future. You're not my now. You're not what's going to define me. And so I'm going to look to the other side and I'm going to reach my hand out through the fear and say, God, grab me. So today, let it go. Who cares? Let it go. Set it here. Set it there and say no. So I just, I want you to listen to them, but if you want, maybe just bow your heads, close your eyes, take some time with Jesus. Take some time to say to Jesus, hey, I want to give you unrestricted access to my fears. And if the Lord speaks back and says it's time to let him go, come to the altar. Respond. There's no better moment than now, church.
So God, today, speak to our hearts. Challenge us. Let us recognize the actual size of our fears and reflection to what's on the other side of the door, which is you. So let us, let us through your strength, push through and be reminded that we don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of power that comes through your strength, of love that comes through the way that you show us your great desire for us and then your ability to give us a sound mind so we can look past all the stuff around us. So God, today, we're going to stand in your power. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I want to encourage you. I feel like I need to keep saying this. I want you to journey in these devotions and write. This week, write out your fears. Write what they are. Don't, don't let the enemy say, well, that's stupid, or that's something stupid to be afraid of. Write it down. Stop giving the enemy authority and say, you know what? No, it's not stupid because you're using it. And I want to say no, 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 no. So church, continue to journey, continue to contact each other, continue to call on each other, continue to look to each other. You're in this together, church. So God bless you. Thank you so much for being here online. Thank you for joining us. Be safe as you drive home. God bless you.